Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. So this morning, we're talking about this idea that we're made for this. You know, it's a real season of uncertainty and, and things are changing all the time. And 2020 has been one of the weirdest years, at least in our lifetime that we've ever experienced. And yet I wanna say to us as a church and as followers of Jesus, that this should not be something that we're resistant to. That this, should something we, this should be a time that we lean into everything that's going on around us because we are made for this. Do you know that we're made as followers of Jesus, we are made for seasons of uncertainty and conflict, for seasons of change and seasons of fear. We're made to thrive during the struggle. It's in these seasons, these seasons of difficulty when, when people are unsure and there's a lot of fear going on, it's in these seasons that we can live distinct lives. It's when we live lives that are that much different than those around us. Andy Stanley says it this way, Jesus doesn't make our lives better, but he makes us better at life. I agree with that. It's in, in the worst seasons, seasons of trial and difficulty, uncertain fear, it's in those seasons that the better in us shines brighter. So we shouldn't be resistant to us. This is an incredible season for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus. And he makes this, this life better for us by these gifts he gives us. We're going to talk about these the next few weekends. Like, How does he equip us? What is it that he does for us? Or, or what gifts does he offer to us that really make us better at life? Well, today we're going to talk about what I consider to be the first and foremost gift and resource that God offers to us. And it's this unbelievable ability, a conduit of communication to the Almighty. It's prayer. We can communicate. We can speak to God and we can hear from God. You know what that means? That means we don't have to take our cues from people around us or from the news channels. We can take our cues from God hear what he has to say, and listen to him. We can talk to him and we can hear from him. I don't know about you, but oftentimes when people start talking about prayer, I can tune them out. I go, man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm made for that because I hear stories of people praying for hours at a time, and that's just not me. I don't have that kind of attention span. Or I hear about people fasting for a long time fasting and prayer for days and things like that and, and it seems too complicated for me and too hard for me. I hear these stories and I think, well, maybe I'm not made for this. And if that's how you feel, I wanna encourage you and remind you we are made for this. I've, I've thought it was something for other people, but it's not, it's something for us. I recently read a book, I mentioned it to you a few weekends ago. It's called Threadbare Prayer. It's by one of our very own, Stacy Thacker. She's part of our church, and she wrote this book, and in it, she, she tells the story of her journey of faith over the last few years, and, and she talks about how prayer has been her anchor and sustained her during this time, and yet it was very simple prayers. It's taking small, short, 
um, phrases of scripture and praying them over herself and over her circumstance. And the book helped me to understand that prayer is both simple enough to be meant for me and yet powerful and profound enough to mean something to me. But it can be simple, simple words, simple phrases. Even like the lyrics of the Celine Dion song, I pray you'll be our eyes and watch us where we go and help us to be wise in times when we don't know. Let this be our prayer. When we lose our way, lead us to a place, guide us with your grace to a place where we'll be safe. Profound and powerful, but not complicated or difficult. It's a resource that God gives us to move us from surviving times like this to thriving in times like this. Because prayer has an effect on us. When I communicate with the Almighty, it calms me, it leads me, it directs me, it prepares me, it sensitizes me, it strengthens me. So as we thought about today, David and I were talking about this topic today, we just thought to myself, rather than, rather than me tell Stacy's story and me read all of her book for you, why wouldn't I just have Stacy tell Stacy's story? Because she's a part of our church. And so today, Stacy is going to come in just a minute and talk to you about this threadbare prayer technique or process that she has developed. And I think you're going to really appreciate her perspective because her journey, what she's lived, authenticates um, what she's experienced in prayer. Stacy's been a part, she and her husband, Mike, been a part of our church for 18 years. They have four daughters. She's an author and Bible teacher, and in fact, she sings at our 830 service often. She also, on a weekly basis, uh, serves on our team. We have a team of people who gather around the scripture passages that we're uh, teaching in our weekend services, and with David and me and others who are on the teaching, uh, she sits in that meeting with us and helps us develop the p biblical passage each and every weekend. And I've developed an incredible amount of respect uh, for her insight into uh, the Bible and to the, the, what it means to love and follow Jesus Christ. She's an amazing woman, and she has four daughters. Her, her husband, Mike, and her four daughters are in the service today. Caroline's been with her all day. But the other rest of the family are here, and I want them to stand before Stacy comes, her husband Mike, and then Emma, Abby, Caroline, and Allison. Ladies, would you stand? And Mike, you stand as well. Church family, would you help me thank them? You're going to hear, thank you guys, you're going to hear a part of their journey today. Would you, again, would you help me welcome Stacy Thacker to the platform as she comes to share with us today? I assure you they're the best part of me. So I want to open this up in a word of prayer today. Father God, thank you that you make us to pray. And because you've been down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, as we get started, I want you to consider a question this morning. What brings you to your knees in prayer? Is it your family? Is it friends? Is it your job, your church, 
the country, 2020? Maybe it's all of the above. Or perhaps, like me, you go to your knees in prayer because life is hard. And it has the ability to stir up your fears. I pray because I need Jesus every single day. Prayer is simply a conversation with God that we as believers were made for. It's first for me how I hold on to Jesus and it nourishes my trust in him. Second, I have found that it's one of the most strategic ways I can push back fear. Fear is a relentless bully. And I'm not ashamed to tell you that throughout my life, I have struggled and battled it fiercely. My life in the past few years has felt chaotic and out of control at times. And to be fair, my family, as Danny mentioned, has had our fair share of truly hard things that should stir up your fears. So a couple of years ago, I started praying very simple prayers based on scripture that were easy to remember. I honestly did this because I had run out of my own words. Now I know what some of you are thinking, especially my family, that's impossible because I have a lot of words. But in prayer, I had, and I don't know if you can identify with this, but I had asked God why. I had asked God when, and I'd asked him how long. And so when I ran out of questions and I ran out of my own words, I went to scripture. In the beginning, they were just breath prayers. Now I call them threadbare prayers. And the first one that I remember praying was Psalms 23.1. I rediscovered this verse in February of 2017 when my family was walking through a dark valley of the shadow of death. I was broken, I was alone, and I was crying out to the Lord. I held on to this prayer for days and weeks and months. It was all I had, but it was enough. You know, that day actually started out pretty good. I was here at church on a very random Thursday night in February 2017. Pastor David had invited a few local pastors in for some sort of conference, and he asked the choir, of which I'm a member, to come in and lead worship. I specifically remember that night being so filled up with the Lord. I came out of the Soprano One section, made my way to the choir room so grateful for Jesus and who he was and how good he was and for my fellow choir members and being part of a church that values worship. I made my way to the choir room, grabbed my purse and my phone out of my bag. And while I was on stage singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God, my phone had lit up like a Christmas tree. I had about 14 messages from people I had never met. And this is basically what it said. It said, Stacy, you need to come to the hospital. There's something wrong with your husband, Mike. We think it's his heart. You need to come immediately. And the last message said, oh, by the way, he's still alive. Suddenly, fear gripped my heart. I started shaking. I couldn't feel my feet beneath me. And the darkness was just pressing in and I was overwhelmed. And I remember having the clarity at the time to think, I probably shouldn't be driving right now. And so my sweet friend, Casey Melvin, who happened to be in the back hallway with me, offered to take me to the hospital. On the way there, 
she called her dad, Pastor Chris Whaley, and Ms. Verna, his wife, and I walked into the hospital with the three of them. I was met that evening by the hospital chaplain, and his name was Angel. And this is what Angel said to me when I got there. He said, Mrs. Thacker, your husband has suffered a sudden cardiac arrest. He was without oxygen, we believe, for 15 to 20 minutes. He was given CPR, and his heart was shocked three times on the way to the hospital to get it back in rhythm. He was intubated in the field. He's currently in surgery and on life support. They were doing all they could, he assured me, but they gave me very little hope. Statistically speaking, he was telling the truth because only about 12% of people that have a cardiac arrest outside of the hospital live. I spent about several hours that evening waiting in the waiting room to get to see Mike. And about 3 a.m., a nurse named Abby gently kicked me out. She said, go home, get some sleep. I'll call you if anything happens. I didn't go home because my house was way across town. I ended up at my, my friend Edie Thibodeau's house. And I found myself late in the morning sitting in her guest room, reeling from the events of the day. Fear now fully overwhelming me. I happened to notice that one of her kids had left a Bible in the guest bedroom. And so I picked it up. I grabbed it. I turned to Psalms 23 and verse 1 was as far as I got. And this is what I read. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Laying face down on the floor, it all broke loose. I sobbed, I prayed, I cried out to Jesus and I said, this is the verse, Lord, this is the verse I'm gonna hang on to. And honestly, I didn't stop praying that prayer for days and weeks and months. When fear would rise up, I would pray. When I struggled, when I, ha I didn't know what was gonna happen or I was thinking, what if I prayed? I prayed that next day when I had to sit with my girls and explain to them what happened to their dad and they asked some very hard questions. And I prayed all day Saturday when the staff pulled me aside and they said, Mrs. Thacker, it's bad, it's very bad. And for the next eight days while Mike lingered in a coma, I prayed, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. I prayed the day that he shocked everyone and he woke up. And I prayed for the next month while he was in the hospital. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. I prayed when he came home and we started a long two-year process of recovery and we watched the ripple effect of that event hit every square inch of our lives. That one verse was enough because it's packed with truth. And I want to tell you that even on the days that it didn't feel true, it was true. And as I was thinking about what I could share with you, I just wanted to tell you a couple of things that I learned about Psalms 23.1. Just in case, just in case today you're uncertain about your future. Just in case you might be hanging by a thread. Or just in case you've got some fear that's bullying you. These are some things I learned about Psalms 23.1. First of all, it was written by David, probably late in his life, maybe possibly during the rebellion of his son Absalom. 
And it deals with some difficult things he experienced in his long walk with the Lord. I love what Pastor Warren Wearsby said. He said, Psalms 23 is a message for believers who have fought battles and carried heavy burdens. If you are fighting a battle today and carrying a heavy burden, this Psalms is for you. So let's start with the first part. The Lord is my shepherd. That word Lord is the Hebrew word Yahweh. And you might see it in some English translation as the word Jehovah. It means the existing one, the existing one, or he will be. It is the personal name of the promise-making, covenant-keeping God of Israel. And it was first given to Moses in chapter 3 of Exodus when he was standing before the burning bush. And he said, who do I say sent me? And God said, you tell him Yahweh sent you. It appears over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. And it was so special and so sacred to God's people, they stopped saying it. And instead, they slipped another word in there, Adonai, which actually means Lord. And so in your Bibles, you'll see that that's capitalized in all capital letters. So when you see Lord, they're actually referring to that precious sacred name of Yahweh. David is calling on the Lord, the one who rescued and redeemed and provided and defended and established Israel. This was who David was running to, the God who keeps his promises and never wavers. He's saying, my Lord. And the language reminds us in this first part of God's power to do anything. Is my shepherd... The shepherd was a common occupation in Middle Eastern culture. David himself was a shepherd, and he had intimate knowledge of what it meant to shepherd and work with the sheep. This role throughout Scripture is attributed to God from Genesis to Revelation. And in John 10, Jesus himself takes the language of Psalms 23 when he says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. If you look a little deeper in Psalms 23, you will see that the shepherd is thoughtful and merciful and comforting and prepared, and he's good, and he's present, and he's eternal. And you'll also see that he provides and he defends and he anoints and he surrounds surrounds, and he establishes a place for his sheep to dwell. The shepherd speaks of the presence of the Lord in our relationship to him. I love this story from Bible teacher Jennifer Rothschild and her Bible study on Psalms 23. She says that in the Holy Land, Shepherds most often guide by their voices. And it's not uncommon for several flocks to be at one watering hole at the same time. And when the shepherd needs to leave and he needs to take his sheep, he begins to sing. And his sheep instinctively know to separate themselves from the other flocks because they recognize his voice. The sheep know their shepherd's voice and they trust him. In the original language, David is actually declaring his trust when he says, the Lord is shepherding me. David knew the voice of his shepherd because he talked to his shepherd and he listened for his voice. 
all of this points to the second part of the verse that says, I lack nothing because of Jehovah, because of my shepherd, I am sufficiently cared for and I have everything I need. What do we need? He knows and he takes care of it. And there is nothing that we need that he cannot provide. Now, don't confuse need with want. The Lord does not always answer our prayers the way we want to. And he doesn't always say yes, because he knows us intimately. He always answers us in a way that is best for us and brings him the most glory, even when we can't see it and we don't understand. The question is not, can he provide? The question that he keeps pressing on my heart is, Stacy, do you trust me? I still pray Psalms 23.1. I let that verse form the words to the prayers that I pray. He is all I need today. When fear still comes at me and bullies me and I don't have the answers. And do you know what I found? The enemy can't defeat a heart that is filled with the living, active, sharp word of God. I have prayed this prayer when my family struggles on this side of a miracle that God has absolutely done in healing my husband. I pray this prayer when I see a mountain in front of me, when suffering is long. My Lord is shepherding me through the chaos that is 2020, and I have everything I need. And guess what? He will be all I need the next time something breaks and I have no control over the outcome. And we all know that it will because if 2020 has taught us anything, the world is broken and shattered and crying out every single day, fix it. I love this quote by Elizabeth Elliot. She said, we are not adrift in chaos. We are held in the everlasting arms. Prayer is how I hold on to Jesus and push back fear through his word. But it also reminds me more importantly that I am being held in the arms of the Lord. I'm going to close with a story that I just kind of feel like really illustrates what happens when we lean into scripture, when we lean into the truth of Psalms 23.1 and we let the Lord shepherd us. Last summer, our family was still reeling from the effects of all that had happened. And we found ourselves in the middle of a lingering storm. Have you ever been in the middle of a storm that just won't lift? Maybe you understand the feeling, but I was terrified. And honestly, like the disciples in the boat, I was fearful. And I spent a lot of time sitting on the bathroom floor, praying and crying and seeking the Lord. When I received a letter from someone that I had never met, who was a worship pastor at another church. And this is what his letter said to me. He said, Stacy, I know that we've never met, but I'm familiar with your story. Last week, something happened to me that has never happened to me before. He said, I was at the church and I was praying for our people 
when God puts you on my mind. And so I started praying for you. And as I did, he said, I heard a woman crying. And it was so loud and so distinct that I got up from my chair, I opened my door fully expecting to see my secretary sitting at her desk crying. She wasn't there. So I looked around, there was actually nobody at church at all. So I went back in my office, I shut the door, I sat down and I thought, well, that was weird. And I began to pray again for you. And when I started to pray for you again, I heard a woman crying. Sensing that this might be from the Lord, I said, yes, Lord. And in my spirit, he said, I heard him say to me, you need to do something. And so he went on to say, I called a few friends. I explained to them what had happened. And they said, you know, God has been nudging our heart to do something too. And so enclosed, you will find a gift for your family that we hope meets some of your needs. He went on to say, I don't know if you're like my wife, but she has a special place that she goes and prays where she pours out her heart for our family and she cries out to the Lord. And he said, and maybe sometimes like her, you just sit and cry. And he said, Stacy, he said, I think that the Lord allowed me to hear you crying because he wants you to know that he sees you, that he loves you, and you are never alone, and that he's gonna take care of your family. The gift was needed and appreciated, but that letter deeply touched my heart. I can't explain that letter or what happened, This is what I know from personal experience. We are not adrift in chaos. We are his children and we are held in the everlasting arms because the Lord is our shepherd and we lack nothing. We have an amazing invitation as children of God to pour out our hearts to him in prayer. And he is here. And he's leaning down to listen to us. Let's pray as long as we have breath. I'd love to take a moment because I know when you leave here today, you're going to get busy. Life is going to happen. I'd love just to give you a few moments today to go to the Lord, your shepherd in prayer, and to talk to him. You can bow your head. You can go to your knees if you feel the need. Just take some time today to talk to your shepherd. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.